Welcome back to the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast. Thank you all for joining me. In this episode, we will continue to preview the SEC East, taking a look at the Kentucky Wildcats and the Vanderbilt Commodores. As always, you can find the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU pod on all major audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify. If you're viewing this on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU YouTube channel, please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment. On Twitter, the account is at 60feet6inlsupod. Once again, if you're looking on YouTube right now, you can see we've made some upgrades here. The Twitter account is right there underneath my name. It is at 60ft6inlsupod. Make sure to follow that account. Hit that notification bell as well. You don't want to miss out. There's going to be a ton of content dropping from now until the first pitch at Alec Box Stadium this year. And I'm very excited for what we have in store for y'all. In the next couple weeks. So if you missed the last episode, I previewed the Florida Gators and the Georgia Bulldogs. In terms of Florida, I predicted them to finish second in the SEC East with a 19 and 11 record. For Georgia, I predicted them to finish fifth. So a little bit of a drop off from last year with a 13 and 17 SEC record. Of course, you can always find those that older episode in podcast apps on the YouTube, or if you go back on Twitter, that is linked in Twitter as well. It is currently pinned up there. And I will do the same for this episode. I will link it back on Twitter, YouTube, podcast, and I'll pin it to the top of my account. So, like I mentioned, there are some upgrades we're going on on YouTube. We'll continue to get better, add some more things, and uh, some really great content with some different types of shows in the near future here at 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU Podcast. So with that, let's get into it. First up, the Kentucky Wildcats. So Kentucky last year, 2022, they finished 33 and 26. They were 12 and 18 in the SEC East. They finished sixth. And they did make some noise in the SEC tournament. As LSU fans will remember, they beat them there. But unfortunately for the Wildcats, they did not make a regional. Looking back on some of their team statistics for 2022, in terms of hitting, they finished uh, 11th in batting average at 277, second to last in slugging percentage. They did hit a lot of doubles, though, not a lot of home runs. In terms of doubles, they hit 122, which is good for fifth in the SEC. Um, home runs, almost last. They finished one home run ahead of South Carolina, who brought up the bottom of the league. They did steal a lot of bases, but in terms of the rest of the hitting categories, really at the bottom third. Pitching for the 2022 team, it wasn't great. 10th best team ERA at 4.89. They did allow the least amount of home runs, which tied A&M for the conference lead. Uh, the remainder of their stats, very average, very middle of the pack. Um, the ninth best team batting average against at 257. So as you can see, not a great pitching staff either. In terms of fielding, once again, average to bottom third of the pack, finishing eighth. And that's why they finished 12 and 18 in the SEC. So it's pretty obvious from a statistical standpoint. Now, looking ahead to 2023, let's kind of glance at their schedule real quick. Non-conference, nothing, no big shakes right here. They have a three-game set with Elon to lead off the year. And then they play a midweek home-and-home with Louisville. And that probably is no surprise to anyone. In terms of the SEC, this is where things get interesting for the Wildcats here in 2023. They kind of ease into SEC play and hopefully – uh, if you're a Kentucky fan, you can make a little bit headway in the first four series of the year because I tell you what, the last six is absolute nightmare if you're a Wildcats fan. Check this out. At LSU, 
A&M in Lexington, at Vandy, South Carolina in Lexington, who is preseason top 25 this year, at Tennessee, and then Florida with the last game of the series. That is rough. So you can see what I mean with regards to a murderer's row of SEC series right there. Six in a row that I think it's going to be it's going to be tough for the Wildcats. In terms of uh, returning players, that's a tough one. We'll get into it more, but they lack a ton of experience moving into this year. With regards to the transfer portal, they did hit the portal very hard, and this did surprise me in doing the research for Kentucky. They were ranked as the sixth best transfer class by Baseball America. Focusing on the hitters for 2023 for the Wildcats. Key losses, everyone. Now, I'm not kidding. When you look at their stats from last year, the top nine hitters are gone. In terms of games played and games started, started, excuse me, gone. So they have to completely revamp their lineup infield and outfield. On top of that schedule we just mentioned. They do return catcher Devin Burks. LSU fans may remember him. He kind of went off against LSU in the SEC tournament. They also returned two infielders that started 13 games apiece for them last year by the name of Teller and Church. So not a ton of experience right there. Portal-wise, they bring in an infielder from Northwestern, Patrick Herrera, who is second-team All-Big Ten. They did bring in some key transfers in the outfield. One guy I've read a lot about, somebody else who I'm actually really excited to play to see how he does in terms of stepping up in competition in the SEC this year. That is outfielder Kendall Yule from Eastern Kentucky. He was first-team Atlantic Sun last year, and he was a Golden Spikes semifinalist last year. So very impressive by that young man. But a big step up in competition from Eastern Kentucky in terms of who they play week in and week out. They brought in several other transfers, guys that had good careers so far or good stats last year from lower Division I programs. Not really Power 5 or Grouper 5. A lot of teams uh, like such as Lipscomb or a, um, you know, Furman maybe type teams that uh, are looking to contribute. And Kentucky's going to really need those guys to step up this year and contribute and carry some of that burden moving forward. When you look at the pitching staff, key losses from last year was your ace, Sean Haney, who threw the most innings on the team at 65. He did have a great ERA at 2.62, and he finished 5-4 and four in the year. But the one that may hurt the most is you're going to lose – they lose their closer and the guy who had the best stuff on the team, and that is Tyler Guilfoyle. He had 21 appearances, a fabulous ERA at 1.59. He threw 51 innings pitched on the year and 80 Ks. So moving forward, I really look like just, just to let y'all know what things for I, that I look at, dissecting a pitcher or a team, if really if I haven't seen them pitch. One, his ERA is great, 1.59. But he has more than a one-to-one -one ratio in terms of innings, innings pitched to strikeout. And in any conference that good, but really in the SEC with the quality of hitters that you face week in and week out, that's, that's fabulous. Kentucky also loses Mason Hazelwood from last year. He started eight games, and then Daniel Harper at the pen had 26 appearances. They do bring in uh, a couple portal pitchers, but one thing I noticed when looking at the Kentucky, Kentucky pitching staff from last year is to this year, they bring back several guys that have started games, right? Tyler Bosma leads the way with 10 games started. 
Uh, Magdiel Coda, nine games started. Then they have a couple other guys that eight games started, five games, four games started. So they have a lot of experience. But in terms of longevity per outing, each of those guys only averaged about three to four innings per outing. So it looks like Kentucky really used that opener system that you've seen a lot of Major League Baseball teams go to the last couple of years. I think the Rays were really one of the first teams to use that system. And an opener means basically um, you take a guy from the bullpen or, or maybe somebody who doesn't have the stuff of like a, a Dollander or a Hurston Waldrop or Paul Skeens that can really get you six, seven innings. And you're just going to throw him out there for three to four innings, let him do the best they can, then you're going to bring in somebody else who's going to stay out there for three to four innings. And it's just going to be a revolving door in the pen until last year they got to their closer, Guilfoyle. So what do we think here on the pod in terms of the 2023 prediction for Kentucky? Look, I think it's going to be a rough year in Lexington. There's no other way to sugarcoat it. Anytime you have to replace the top nine guys on the stat sheet in terms of experience, batting average, power, RBIs, everything that they brought to the table and to the team, I think it's going to be a problem. And then you have to rely so much on transfers to fill that void. Now, look, in this day and age of college baseball, everybody has transfers from 1 through 25 in the rankings. But And you never know how those guys are going to react in a conference such as the SEC where the pitching is very good. And it's not just on the high end, but it's the depth of the pitching staffs from middle relievers to bullpen guys to midweek guys who show up on the weekend. And I just think that's a big burden for those transfer kids to carry. And you just never know, you know, what, what the result's going to be at the end of the year. It's just a little bit of a crapshoot. And that's with anybody, even the high-name transfer portal guys, as opposed to some guys that may be from lower-tier Division One programs. Pitching-wise, they return a ton of experience. And if they use that opener system, you know, how long can that last? Will that be able to get them through a non-conference and a conference schedule if you're throwing out four to five guys that are good but not necessarily great. Will that be another formula that works again for Kentucky this year? I just, I don't have a lot of faith in it. And then when you look at that schedule, it's, uh, it gets ugly in that six game stretch. Man, I have a hard time finding six wins in that six game stretch, to be honest with you. I see some teams um, possibly licking their chops for sweeps right there. When you're looking at the quality of teams, LSU, A&M, Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Florida, man, that is just really tough, really tough. Therefore, I predict the Kentucky Wildcats. I apologize, people in Lexington. I predict y'all to go seven and twenty-three in conference and finish last in the SEC East. All right, moving on to the second team we're going to preview today from the SEC East. It is the Vanderbilt Commodores, and yes, I refuse to call them the Vandy Boys. Can't do it. Twenty twenty-two for the Commodores. They finished thirty-nine and twenty-three. 14 and 16 in the SEC East, which was good for four. So a little bit of a down year by Vanderbilt standards. When you look at everything they've done the past 15 years, it's been a truly dominant program. And I think actually Division I voted them the best program in the country when you look at the totality for the past 15 years in terms of their body of work. They made a regional last year. They went all the way out to Corvallis, and they lost to uh, Oregon State. They finished the year ranked 24th, or in some polls, they weren't even ranked at all, so right outside that top 25. Glancing back at their 2022 team statistics, uh, hitting, they're really very average. 
uh, fourth in the conference in batting average, fourth in on-base percentage. But then the rest of their stats, like hits, doubles, uh, runs scored, home runs, they were really in that eight to nine range, although they did lead the conference in stolen bases. And if anybody remembers Vanderbilt last year, uh, that's no surprise when we get into their leading player who returns this year in Enrique Bradfield Jr. Pitching, that's where they excelled. No surprise to a lot of college baseball fans, especially um, everybody in the SEC, Vanderbilt turns out pitchers. You know, if you just think in the past couple of years, you had Kumar Rocker, you had Leiter, and several other guys going all the way back to David Price. Um, just in terms of the quality and quantity of really good arms that Vanderbilt's been able to turn out. They were second in SEC with a 3.916 ERA, second in batting average against, um, gave up the, the least Second fewest hits, second fewest runs, earned runs. Bottom line, I don't need to drone on and on, but they could flat out pitch. And I think it was, to me, it was a little bit of a surprise when you look back and you saw, saw who led the way because they were led by two freshman All-American, both lefties actually too. In terms of fielding, ninth best fielding percentage, uh, actually committed a lot of errors, gave up a lot of stolen bases. So fielding wise, very average. Um, which is a little bit surprising when you have that dominant of a pitching staff. You may think uh, they kind of go hand in hand, but not necessarily for Vandy last year. This is kind of interesting and fun, really, getting into their 2023 schedule, both non-conference and in-conference. Um, I will tip my hat to Vandy. It seems the past 10, 12 years, those guys are not afraid to play anybody, anywhere. I love how they schedule. I wish more teams around the country would schedule like this, and it seems like we're getting that way with these uh, kind of resurgence of uh, baseball tournaments, really, to uh, lead off the year. They start the season off at the College Baseball Showdown, which is in Arlington, Texas, at Globe Wide Field. They will play TCU, Texas, and Oklahoma State. They then have a three-game set with UCLA and Nashville. After that, they travel to Minneapolis for the Cambria Classic. Ole Miss is also in that one, where they pay, play a Big Ten slate of Nebraska, Maryland, and Minnesota. In terms of the SEC schedule, they miss out on LSU and A&M, but it shakes out pretty nice for those guys. They do open the season with back-to-back -back defending national champs as they open the season with Ole Miss and then State. But I think after that tough non-conference, they're really going to know where they stand once they get into SEC play. And they finish up with at Florida and Arkansas at home. And looking at their schedule and kind of where I predict them to go, I really think those last two series of the year are going to be key for those guys. And if you look at those three teams, Florida, Arkansas, and Vanderbilt, I would imagine at that point in the year, they will all be fighting potentially for host sites, uh, top eight national seeds, if not um, a, a regional site as well. Preseason ranking for Vandy. They, fin they came in anywhere from 6 to 10 in all the major polls. Um, recruiting class, they brought in a really good recruiting class, but their, but their class actually got destroyed by the Major League Baseball drafts. They lost eight of their top 10 commitments, so they really got hurt on that front. They were able to hold on to a big right-handed pitching prospect who was the number 15th ranked prospect, so they got him onto campus in addition to a highly rated infielder as well. In terms of the portal, they really didn't hit the portal very hard. Um, I was a little surprised by that, but uh, I guess if I take a step back, 
you know, maybe they don't believe in the portal that much or just the fact that Vanderbilt yeah. is such a, a tough school to get into. They're very limited in terms of the kids they're able to get on the campus. They did get a Duke transfer. He is an outfielder by the name of RJ Shrek. He had 18 home runs last year and was third team all ACC selection. So when we're looking at the hitters, you know, who did they lose and who do they have coming back? So they lost a lot of experience and a lot of power. They lost Roberto Vaz Jr., Spencer Jones, the big, tall, about 6'5", right fielder who hit 12 home runs last year and was in the top two on the team in RBIs. They lost Dominic Keegan, who hit 14 home runs, once again, a top RBI producer. Um, and Vaz and Jones actually stole a lot of bases for those guys as well. So in, a, in, in total, they lost 62% of their home run production and four out of their top five RBI producers. So there's a big lack in terms of power and the ability to drive in runs when you look at the 2023 team. Um, they have some more out uh, experience, excuse me, coming back in the outfield with Calvin Hewitt, and then they bring along uh, TJ McKenzie in addition to the Duke transfer. But it, to me, it all starts and ends with Enrique Bradfield Jr. I mean, he was phenomenal last year. All-American candidate this year, um, top 10 Major League Baseball draft product. When you look at the college ranks, all he did last year was hit 317 and eight home runs. And yes, I'm bearing the lead as he went 46 for 46 in stolen base opportunities last year. So nobody threw him out. And he was an absolute terror on the base pass last year. I think uh, one of the reasons LSU did so well against Vanderbilt last year was they were able to keep him off the paces in the first couple of games. And then in the last game, he kind of broke free a little bit. But, uh, man, he is a nightmare on the base pass. But the question is, who's going to drive that guy in this year when you lose Voss, Jones, and Keegan? In terms of the infield, man, they really lack experience on the 2023 team. They only returned two starters. Parker Nolan hit 274 last year. And then they returned sophomore uh, David Diaz, who hit 213. So lacking a little bit on the infield side. Now, pitching. They are absolutely loaded. If you're a Vanderbilt fan, you are smiling from ear to ear when you look at your pitching staff because you return basically everybody. And as a reminder, they were really one of the top three or four pitching staffs in the, in the conference last year. Key losses, though. They did lose their third starter, Chris McElvain. He had 16 games started, 86 innings pitch, which led the team. They also lost Christian Little. LSU fans know that as he transferred to LSU, and he kind of split time between starting and the bullpen last year as well. But, man, they returned their Friday guy, their Saturday guy, both left-handed pitchers, both All-Americans last year, only sophomores. So they will terrorize the SEC for another year. First guy, Friday night guy, Carter Holton. He's back, 80 innings pitched, 97 Ks. So once again, a little bit more than that one-to-one -one ratio. Eight and four on the year with a, a low three ERA. His brother in arm from the left side, Devin Futrell, nine and three on the year, 63 innings pitched with a 3.41 ERA, fabulous numbers. And they also returned their closer in Thomas Schultz, eight saves on the year, 23 appearances, a great ERA out the pin at 2.88. So you got your Friday guy, Saturday guy, and then your closer. But they bring back experience with guys that are able to get the ball from Holton Futrell to Schultz. 
They got they can run guys out there like Maldonado, Cunningham, Patrick Riley, Grayson Moore. All four of those guys, if you don't know about the names, that's fine. Don't know what they look like, it's all good. But all four of those guys had over 14 appearances each. So a little bit of start, a little bit of bullpen, maybe some midweek starts from those guys. They'll be fighting to fill that Sunday slot, and then they're going to provide uh, just a ton of depth when they're looking to get the ball to Schultz on the back end in SEC competition. So wrapping up here on the 60 feet, 6 inches LSU pod, how do I predict Vanderbilt will finish in 2023? Look, when you're looking at their lineup, I know they bring back uh, another power guy and Jack Bolger, who's going to play catcher for them. You got Bradfield Jr. You got the Duke transfer in the outfield. So you got two out of three of those spots taken up. I'm just worried about the infield. Um, I foresee a lot of small ball, maybe West Coast style baseball, right? Hit and runs, stealing bases, which they're good at. Um, sacrifice bunts, because I just don't know where the power and the RBI production is going to come from on this 2023 team. Pitching. It's going to be elite, but I mean, when you look at the starters in this conference, especially the Friday and Saturday starters, and we've already gone over Florida with Sprout and Hurston Waldrop, Tennessee's loaded. They returned all their weekend guys, right? Um, South Carolina returned some dudes sticking in the SEC East, and that's not even getting over to the SEC West and what some of those top programs are bringing back, but Vanderbilt's up there at the top of the conference, probably another top five pitching staff, in my opinion. So they're going to be elite on the mound with Holton, Futrell starting, and then Schultz on the back end. So I just think the lack of offense may catch up to them at some point, but I'm sure they're going to be happy playing games three to one, two to nothing, you know, three to two type games. I'm sure they'll be perfectly fine with that up in Nashville. Therefore, I predict Vanderbilt to have not a down year, but kind of another ho-hum, quote-unquote, average year for this program. And the SEC East is getting tougher and tougher. But I predict Vanderbilt to go 16-14, and 14, so a two-game improvement over 2022. And with that 16-14 and 14 SEC record, I predict they will finish fourth in the SEC East. All right, that'll do it for this SEC East preview of Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Thank you all for tuning in. As a reminder, like, subscribe, comment on the YouTube channel, and follow the Twitter account. Set that notifications bell. The Twitter account is at 60FT6INLSUPOD. This podcast will be pinned to the account. It will also be available on Apple, Google, Spotify, other major audio platforms, as y'all know. I will have a YouTube link on the Twitter account as well. On deck, coming up either Thursday or Friday. I'm not sure where I'm going to drop it because I'm trying to sort some things out with Tennessee. Tennessee is going to have their own episode. But on deck will be Missouri and South Carolina from the SEC East. Until next time, thank you all for tuning in. Y'all stay safe. And as always, go Tigers.